How many of you in here are nearsighted? That means that you can see things close up, but you can't see things far away. In the natural, I'm nearsighted. I don't need glasses to read, but I, can't, I can see your head back there in the red shirt. I just can't make out your face. <clears throat> when you're farsighted, you can see at a distance, which is like my wife is. She can see at a distance, but she has to have glasses to read up close. So if we're together... How many of you know you can't live by yourself, you can't die by yourself, you need a, you need a community, Christ community? Well, that just came out. <laughs> and uh, if this is your first time here, we're excited that you're here and we welcome you. Uh, we are excited about what God is getting ready to do in this new year. I uh, want to say a personal thank you to everyone uh, that there were so many uh, Christmas gifts that came in for Debbie and I, treats. Man, I had everything from sweet potatoes to fruitcake. And, uh, and I, I needed it. I kind of got, after we left here, we were on vacation. But the first day or two, I, I got really sick. And I'm, I'm, I hardly am ever sick. I lost four pounds in one day, but you all helped put it back on me. So I want to say thank you. And... Uh, we appreciate you and love you very much. I, I'm excited about what's coming up. How many of you received this card? If you didn't get one of these, if you would hold your hands up and the ushers will get you one. Okay, ushers, you're going to need to stand up and look where these hands are. Just keep your hands up. They're going to go out and they'll bring one to you. Hey, are you excited about the new class that started the Life Group class? Let's give Richard a big hand for that. There were several in there today. He'll be uh, conducting that class through the month of January, and then Karen Smith will be doing it in the month of February. Go ahead and hold your hands up. The ushers will uh, get to you. You've got them. Some of the other ushers could help out here. Uh, just keep them up and they'll pass it to you. And while they're doing that, let me go ahead and get started. We had a technology is wonderful when it works. There it goes. Okay. So today we're starting our, uh, it's called a 40 day circle of prayer and sacrifice. I'm going to go through and talk about that a little bit today uh, at the beginning of the message. And then what I want you to see is on this list, take a look at what's inside that circle. I'll be talking to you about that in a second. And then what's on the back are other suggestions of things that we can pray about. <clears throat> but let's, let's get started. Let's have a word of prayer together. Father, we're thankful for your word. God, we thank you, God, that... You're always mindful of us, that you know what our needs are even before we ask, but you've instructed us to ask. You said in your word, we have not because we ask not. You told us, Jesus, that if we ask, we'll receive. If we knock, it's open to us. If we seek, we find. So, Lord, help us, God, to get focused, to get a 2020 vision, Lord, a vision, God, where we can see you the way you are and know what your desire for our lives is. We thank you for that now in Jesus' name. 
I'm going to speak to you for just a little while today on never alone. I want to start by reading Joshua, the sixth chapter, starting with verse 1 and reading through verse 5. It says, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. I want you to notice that, that a land that was without God closed itself off to the people of God. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. You, you have to understand that everybody is, are, are, they're not going to open up their arms to you as a believer. But that doesn't mean that you walk away. How many of you got some family members you want to see saved, but they just kind of ignore you? Well, you don't just walk away from it. Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of God. Some people see you coming and they automatically put up defenses. I want you to watch what happens here. The Bible said that none went out and none came in. They don't allow you into their world, into their life. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand and its king and the mighty men of valor. God's saying it's a done deal. I've given them to you. But you don't just get to sit back and twiddle your thumbs. You don't get to just act like, well, okay, it's already done. God's already promised. It's already there. There's something he requires of us. Look at your neighbor and say, he wants something from us. We always are asking God for something, right? But what you have to understand is you can't even get God's attention until you get into his presence. And so the scripture tells us that we come into his presence with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise. I'm going to talk a little bit today about sometimes how that becomes just a routine instead of a reality. And I want us to get focused. Everybody say it again, 2020 vision. And so he says, look, I've given you Jericho, but watch what he does. He instructs them. He said, you shall march around the city and all you and all the men of war, you shall go all around the city once. Then you shall, okay, I, I, you can read the rest of it. Let me just tell you the story. So God instructs him. He said, you're going to, I'm giving you the city, but in order for you to receive what I've already given you. Anybody go to a Christmas party over the holidays? Anybody go to a Christmas party at all? Or, 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 or did, you, did you have Christmas at your house? Did, you, did anybody exchange gifts? Did you have a gift for someone that didn't live in your home? How did they get the gift? You know how it works in my house? See, we got Christmas gifts for all the kids, but if they want them, they're coming to my house. I'm not putting them in the mail. You want your gift? You come see me. You want your gift? You're going to have to show up. See, we're always wanting something from God, but a lot of times we don't show up to receive it. Amen. And God's saying, I've given you Jericho. 
That's, do you understand? That battle is won. But you're not going to get it until you learn how to circle what I've given you and claim it for me. I'm talking about a circle of prayer. And they didn't just get to circle at one time. They went around that city for six days, marched around it once each day, and they couldn't say anything. How many of you would have trouble keeping your mouth quiet? For, uh, let me rephrase that. How many of you would have trouble not, not talking to your neighbor for a whole day? I mean, some of you can't make it through a church service, you know? <laughs> Yeah, so think about this. You, you've, got to go, you've got to go around it. You can't say anything. Why? A lot of times, and, and I'll be talking about this next week, but a lot of times what we don't recognize is that our words give birth to fears. And the more we talk about it, the bigger it gets. Amen. And so you have to learn to guard what you say. And so what God is saying is, I've already told you Jericho's yours, so you don't need to discuss it. You just need to trust me. And so six days, once a day, six times. On the seventh day, they have to march seven times. And the first thing they get to say is with a shout. Man, if you kept your mouth shut for a week, you'd feel like shouting after it was over, wouldn't you? They can't say anything, and then after they have circled it, they've circled it once each day. How many times do we pray and then we stop? We ask God for something, we stop. But they're circling it. They're circling their promise, and we've got to circle our promises with our prayers. Everybody say, it's a circle of prayer. And every time you pray, you're circling your promise. You, we've got to learn how to pray Scripture so that we're sealing our promise with his word. I didn't say this about me, God. This is what you said about me, and I'm circling that promise in prayer. I'm declaring something. And he said, once you do that for six days, the seventh day you do it seven times, and at the end of that you have those priests blow those trumpets, and I want everybody to shout, and the walls are going to fall down flat. Now, don't walk out of here and go down to the car dealership and start circling your brand new Cadillac. <laughs> so, what are, you, what are you talking about? The scripture said that sometimes we pray amiss. You're circling a Ford when you ought to be circling a Chevy. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> and, and so, what happens is... This is why I'm talking about 2020 vision because it's not hard for us to focus on what our will is, but sometimes it's hard to focus on what God's will is for us. See, I had my own idea. We were singing, you were singing a song. What was that second song you were singing? Yeah, sweet. Uh, it's like your forgiveness it's like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. I started singing that, and I thought, uh, all of a sudden, it was like I, I started seeing everything that God had done in my life. 
over the last, uh, over, and, and I realized how blessed I am. And, and I, I remember, I, I don't know why it happened, but it was like I, I was seeing like a flash of it. And I, I, I saw a little closet that we started doing mission work in and putting stuff in. And I saw that closet go from that to a 16 by 19 building that a guy built for us and came to our house and assembled. And, and I thought, boy, I'll never get that full. And then that turned into a, a, a 50 by 60 warehouse. And that turned into a, another 50 by 60 warehouse. And, and then it turned into coming here and being a part of your lives. And it was like Every step of the way, the blessing got greater and God's will became more clear. And so what I'm saying to you today are your best days are not behind you. They're in front of you and you've got to begin to circle it and say, God, I'm taking this. You are never alone. God had given them the city, but before they could take it, they had to circle it. In 2 Chronicles, it says, If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. It's not just pray, but humble themselves and pray. It says, And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and heal their land. Can I ask you a question? How many of you in here, don't raise your hand on this, but how many of you in here have some wicked ways? See, God wouldn't instruct us about it if it wasn't an issue. Sometimes we got some wicked ways and we don't even recognize they're wicked. Anybody ever been given to just cutting somebody off? Just... I don't want to hear it. Isn't it amazing what we do to our families that we wouldn't do to a stranger? Shh. Shut your mouth or I'll slap your face right now. <laughs> what I'm saying is this, is this is the beginning of a new year. And it's a time to look inward and start saying, God, what is there in me that you want changed? Because with all my heart, I want to be what you want me to be. Not what I've dreamed up, not what I've conjured up. I, you know, one of the things about ministry, and, and you know, and I remember as a young man, and, you know, with other young ministers, and everybody's, you know, got these dreams and all this, and, you know, well, ma'am, I'm going to do a big crusade, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do that. And I was always saying, God, I just want to do what you want me to do, but I need you to show me what that is. If you would have told me back 30 years ago what was going to happen, well, it'd be more than that now, 40 years ago, what was going to happen in my life. I didn't realize you were that old. Back, back, no, she, I knew I was that old, but she doesn't look that old. But back, back all those years ago, see how you can save yourself? <laughs> back all those years ago, if you would have told me, I'll never forget my pastor was Debbie's father, and he walked up to me, and he looked at me one time, and he said, yeah, he, he used to, 
uh, I'm not going to say that because then I'll have a bunch of people trying to say that. He, he had a name he called me. And it wasn't a bad name. It was, it, it was uh, yeah, it was, it was just a name he called me. And, and he'd say, one of these days, Rick, he said, you're going to be flying all over the world preaching the gospel. I was just like 19 at the time. I don't even think, no, we weren't married yet. And I looked at him and I couldn't wrap my mind around that. I said, no, not me. I said, if I can't drive to it, I ain't going to it. Jesus said, lo, I am with you always. I'm getting on no jet. I ate those words over and hundreds of times I ate those words. See, sometimes what we see isn't big enough. Sometimes we can't see ourselves doing what he says you can do. Here's the problem. It's because we're focused on us instead of him. Because when I see me, I see all my insufficiencies. But when I see him, I see unlimited potential. We are never alone. So this 714 circle of prayers from 2 Chronicles 714. And my people which are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. I'll hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. When we sacrifice, we give up things. That's one way we humble ourselves. And so for the next 40 days, we're entering into a circle of prayer and sacrifice. This is what I'm asking you to do. For the next 40 days at 714 every morning, you're going to meet with me. No matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, you're going to meet with me. Well, how am I going to meet with you? Because we're going to pray together at 714. Whether you're on your job or you're at home or you're on a jet going someplace at 714, I can tell you what I plan to do is set my, or set my phone to go off at 714. Now, that's not going to be the only time I pray during the day. But at 714, we're going to unite together, join our voices and our prayers on what's in this circle. Pray for an outpouring of God's Spirit in our community, in our state, in our nation, and in the world. Why would you want to do that? It's because what Jesus instructed us in Acts, he said, you'll be witnesses unto me. Now, we can't be a witness without his spirit. He said, you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, which is our hometown, in Judea, which is our state, in Samaria, which is our nation, to the uttermost parts of the world. God, I'm telling you, creation itself is crying out for God's spirit. The second thing we're going to pray for is for, and I've tried to put these so they're succinct. 
so that when at 714, you can, you can pray these, you can go into it in detail later, but it, if you're in the middle of a job, you, you can just start praying in your heart and say, God, I'm just asking you for protection, direction, salvation, and healing for our military and veterans. We, need, we, we love the country that we live in, but we need to pray a surrounding of protection around those that help make this country a land of the free and home of the brave. We need to pray for veterans that have already been exposed to war and they're struggling with PTSD and they're, they're trying to go on with life. The third thing that we're going to pray for is for our church to be spirit-led, power-packed, and debt-free. Amen. I'm just going to share this with you. Early on when I came here, I was approached by people that told me that they would leave if I prayed for people and they fell out on the floor. I'm not going to, don't come and ask me who it was. I'm not going to tell you. Do you know what that, I wrestled with that because I was new here. And I remember, man, praying and asking God and seeking God. And I asked him, I said, do you think I'm doing that? Do you, I mean, come up here, let me lay a hand on you. Are you going to fall out and hit the floor? And, and it was like, and, and I struggled with that and struggled with that to the point that I remember one day being in a service and the Spirit of God moving and starting to pray for someone, and I saw them and I felt a hesitation. And at that moment, I thought to myself, that's it. I've had it. This ain't happening no more. You can pack your bags and go if you want to, but I am going to do what God called me to do. Be who God called me to be. I am not going to be manipulated. And so we've got to pray and ask God to infiltrate us because this ain't all about the guy behind the pew, I mean behind the pulpit. It's about everybody in the pew. Turn around, look at your neighbor, and say, you're power-packed. Do you understand that? You're power-packed. How, how do you know that? I've, I've watched. Do you think that the church is the only place people fall out in the spirit? My wife prayed for some lady in Kmart one time. She fell out right in the floor, right in, up, right in the opening entryway of Kmart. Sears, I'm sorry, Sears. Well, they belong to each other. Sears. The manager's store ran up and said, is she okay? Is she okay? Debbie said, yeah, yeah, she's fine. She's fine. She's... And, and, and I, I'm telling you, God, here's what you've got to ask yourself a question. Do you want your walk with God to be real? Or do you want it just to be like any other club you go to? And so we've got to ask God and invite God into our midst. We want to be led by the Spirit. We want to have a power packed, and we want to be debt-free. There's some things I'm asking God for because there's some things that I, I want us to be able to do, but as long as there's this debt hanging over our head, and, and I, I, let, me, let me say this because I, I want to give God glory and honor because he's been so thankful. I mean, he's been so faithful in we... We've paid off over a million dollars in debt since we came here seven years ago. And so God is a faithful God. He's a just God. And, but we're not, we, and, and we are not 
latched to debt. You understand what I'm saying? We're not going to not do ministry because of fear of what we owe. We're going to do ministry regardless of what we owe. We're going to move forward. I'm just saying that I believe that God can supernaturally set us free from debt. The fourth thing is for our families to be saved, set free, and walking in victory. I met people that were saved, but they were still bound. I met people that were saved, and they weren't bound, but there wasn't victory in their life. When I got saved, God put a smile on my face and a skip in my step. People, I I had folks look at me and they say, you're just, you know what your problem is? You're, you're, You're just a fanatic. I said, you're right, man. I'm crazy about God. I, said, I, I, I want us to feel what it means and what it's like to walk in victory. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, that's my prayer. So every morning, everybody say every morning, 714, that's what we're going to do for 40 days from now until February 14th, Sweetheart's Day. And then we're, and my prayer is that we'll continue after that. But we're not just going to pray. We're not just going to circle our promise in prayer, but we're going to circle it with sacrifice. We're going to humble ourselves. When we sacrifice, we're giving something up. So for 40 days, I'm asking you to decide what you want to sacrifice. Now, you may want to sacrifice things in 10-day increments. In other words, you may decide that you're going to give up meat for 10 days, or you may decide that you're going to give up uh, coffee. For, can, how many coffee drinkers are in the house? <laughs> Woo! We're fixing to put a hurt on Folgers. <laughs> you may decide that you're going to give up coffee for 10 days, or you may decide, well, I'm going to give up beef for 10 days, so you may decide to do it for the full 40 days. You may give up desserts. You may give up, or you may have health issues. Where You may decide that you're going to fast a complete fast for a day or two, and, and, or you may decide if you've got health issues, you may, you may decide that, look, I, what I'm going to give up is I'm going to give up television. I'm, I'm going to give up social media. I'm going to give up video games. Everybody say social media. I'm, I'm challenging you to give that up for at least 10 days. Here's, here's my, the reason you don't see me on Facebook anymore, one of the reasons is I got to, I, I was listening to a study about the people that created Facebook. They will not let their children on it because of the impact it has on them. We have people that are living their life in a in cyberspace instead of face to face and we can't let that happen to us we need each other Amen. we've got to have one another and so when we when we sacrifice these things now it doesn't do any good obviously if you don't eat or you don't drink coffee and you give it up that's not a sacrifice so what I'm asking is you, you make the decision. We're not going through and saying, okay, this is a Daniel fast. And no, you know, nobody's going to eat. You know what happened to me during the Daniel fast? I ate a bunch of cheese and bread, man. No meat. 
no desserts. And I thought, I don't know that this is helping me. <laughs> but I want the sacrifice to be something that's real to you individually. Because then you're double circling your promise. You're circling it once in prayer. And you're circling it twice with your sacrifice. And so that we're going to see God move in this year like we've never seen him move before. Amen. Now, the scripture tells us, I'm, I'm going to go on with the message. The scripture tells us to pray without ceasing. How many of you have ever contemplated that? Well, what, what's that mean, pray without ceasing? You know, that I have to go around and I have to, you know, 24 hours a day or, you know, just be praying all the time. It, it, it's talking about, and I'll get to this a little bit later, but there is a, there, you, you, we can practice the presence of God. In other words, practice walking in God's presence all the time so that when you pray without ceasing, no matter what's going on around you, there's that communion that you have with God in your heart that's happening even while conversations are going on. Pray without ceasing. The key to spiritual growth is developing healthy and holy routines we call spiritual disciplines. Listen to this. But once the routine becomes routine, we need to change the routine. Let me say it again. Once the routine becomes routine, we need to change the routine. Why? Because sacred routines become empty rituals when we're operating from the left side of our brain out of memory and not the right side of our brain from imagination. Let me say it to you this way. It becomes empty when we do it, when, we, when what we do is from our habits and not our hearts. Routines are necessary and important part of our lives. The morning routine of showering, brushing your teeth, putting on deodorant is a blessing to everyone around you. So, so keep that up. But one of the greatest dangers in our walk with God is learning how and forgetting why. When we learn how to pray and we forget why we pray. A study showed that once we sing a song 30 times, once we've sang a song 30 times, we stop thinking about the lyrics. I'm sure that varies from person to person, but think about the implications of that when it comes to worship. If we're not careful, we just mindlessly go through the motions instead of engaging God from our hearts. That's why I don't just want to repeat words. I want to engage words. I want to hear words. I, and if, if, listen to me. If that can happen to us with our songs, then it can happen to us with our prayers. If we can end up at a, a place where we're just going through the motion of worship from memory, he doesn't just want us to worship from memory. He wants us to use our imagination as well. Think about it. Six times in the book of Psalms, God speaks to us about singing a new song, 
a new song. Why? Because you've got to think about that one. If you don't think God uses his imagination, just look at creation. If you would, hit those slides for me. Look at, look at some of the things that God made. Look at that. What is that? That's Jimmy Durante. No, that's, I mean, look at that thing. If, if you didn't know what that is and if you met that out in the wild, go to the next one. He's even curious. He's going, what happened to the rest of my hair? Go to the next one. Wow. I've seen some insects before, but that one took in the spectrum of the rainbow. Go to the next one. <laughs> you know what that is? It's called a blobfish. A blob fish. You ever catch one of those? You, can haul, you can't get them off the hook. No, I'm kidding. It is called a blob fish. Go to the next one. Wow. How'd you like to meet that? So, God has an imagination. If you take time to look at creation and, and study the, the, the animals and the insects around us and, and how God linked them together, you would understand that there's no way that this happened with a big bang. Matter of fact, I'm going to encourage you now to come to the class on Tuesday nights because I'm going to be talking about apologetics in creation. And I'm going to Tuesday night, I'm going to show you where the idea of millions of years came from and prove to you that it's not millions of years. I mean, if all I have to do is say that it's this way and it becomes that way, then there's no foundation to it. Everybody say, I want to stand on his word. So God wants us to engage him with our heart, with our imagination. Maybe that's why that song, I Can Only Imagine, broke all the charts. Because the first time I heard that song, it ministered to me in a way that I can't quite explain. Because I started trying to imagine what it would be like standing before God. Amen. That song resonated with a part of us that sometimes gets closed off. So God wants us to not just engage him in our mind, but in our heart, not just with our memory, but our imagination. Love is not mindless repetition. Amen. Love is creative. Amen. Jesus warned us about our prayers becoming just repetitions. In Matthew 6 and 7, he said, And when you pray, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. After Jesus taught us how to pray, Paul reminds us of why we pray. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, there's power in prayer. In 2 Corinthians 10 and 4, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to pulling down strongholds. The word 
weapon there in Greek means tool or instrument. So Paul is saying the tools that God has given us to fight with are not carnal. They've got nothing to do with our flesh, but they are mighty. The word mighty there in Greek means powerful and capable. But they're not mighty on their own. They're mighty through God. Just like a gun, everybody's trying to get rid of guns. A gun sitting by itself has no power. It's when it gets placed in the hand of an individual. And so you have to determine how you're going to let God use you. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The tools that we fight with have nothing to do with our flesh, but they're powerful and capable through God of pulling down strongholds. The word stronghold there means fortification or castle. So what God is saying is this, is that the tools that I've given you to fight with are powerful and they're capable of tearing down the devil's domain, of breaking down every fortification that he's tried to build against you. So the question becomes then, what is the tool it's found in the warfare. Everybody say prayer. Let's look at the word warfare. If you would go ahead and pull up that slide for me. The word warfare in Greek is stradia. It means military service, apostolic career. Now, if you look in the Strong's, that's the definition you're going to get. Military service, apostolic career. What I want you to understand in this phrase, in this definition, is that we have not been called to be weekend warriors. We are in the army. Everybody say God's army. We're in military service. It's, everybody say, I'm a career soldier. That means I don't lay this down after I walk out of here today. That means that I don't shake your hand and say, God bless you, brother, and cuss you out tomorrow. It means that I walk with him, asking him to lead and guide me. It means that I'm not being fake or phony. You know, several years ago when, I, you know, when the first President Bush, when he went to war in Kuwait. How many of you remember that? Some of you weren't even alive then, but those of you that were, you remember what he did? He did something that had not been done, I guess, in my lifetime. He called up the National Guard. And when the National Guard got called up, man, there were, there were people that were upset because they were saying, hey, I just signed up for the weekend. I, I'm just a weekend warrior. I just signed up to, you know, to, to go run maneuvers on weekends. You know, we, it's just a trip out for me and the boys. But guess what? You don't get to sign up that way. When you sign that dotted line, you're saying, if there's an emergency, I'm there. This is military service. Now, this word, stradia, now look, it says military service, one of hardship and danger. Why is it that we're always fired up about living for God until it gets tough? Yes, Lord, I'll do anything you ask me to do as long as it's not hard. 
I'll go anywhere you want me to go as long as it's within a 50-mile radius. I'll talk to anybody as you want me to talk to as long as it's not sister so-and-so. Man, it got quiet. <laughs> that word stradia comes from a Greek word. Go ahead. Oh, wow. Oh, remember, I'm nearsighted. <laughs> that word comes from a Greek word, strachuomahi, which means to serve in a military campaign. Now, think about this. The first one meant to be in military service. But it comes from a word that means to serve in a military campaign. What's the difference? Well, you can be in the service and there be no war going on. So there's no military campaign. But what God is letting you know is there's always a war going on when you sign up, when you say yes to Jesus. The devil is out to destroy you. But he said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. We're involved in a military campaign. There is a war that is going on. And that war has to, means to contend with carnal inclinations. Let me ask you a question. Any battle you've ever had, where did it always begin? Up here in your mind. No matter if it was with a relative or if it was a physical thing, no matter what it was, it always starts up here in the mind. And when you look at that, and, you're, and, and so when you get down, and we talked about one of hardship and danger, how many of you find it really easy to pray? I mean, I'm going to tell you, prayer sometimes is really hard. I mean, man, when, when your world feels like it's closing in around you, sometimes it's hard to pray. Now, hear me. And when everything's going great for you, sometimes it's hard for you to find the time to pray. And God is letting you know, look, there's a war going on all the time. So we have to pray without ceasing. And it's to continue, you've got to fight those attacks on your mind. And I'm thinking, how in the world can I do that? How many of you have ever had an attack on your mind? You know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, you could be in the middle of a church service, and some, some crazy thought hits your mind, and then the devil say, oh, and you're supposed to be saved. And you think and stuff like that. We're, yeah, we know what you, yeah. You ain't a child of God. And then it just starts heaping on and heaping on and heaping on. And it could feel like a hopeless situation unless you understand the power of prayer. Because this warfare that's going on isn't just about us. That word comes from another word. Hit that next word, please. It comes from the word, I hope you can read it, comes from the word stradia. Everybody say stradia. It means an army, celestial illuminaries, the angels. 
What are you talking about? I'm talking about when we pray, God dispatches angels to fight on our behalf. When we pray, we're engaging an army of angels. That's why the devil doesn't want you to pray. That's why you get down on your knees and you feel like that your prayers aren't going anywhere because he's trying to sedate you. He's trying to put you out. He's trying to seal off your mouth because he doesn't want to fight what he's going to have to fight when you start praying and asking God for help. <coughs> the scripture says in Hebrews that they are ministering spirits to minister to the heirs of salvation. Oh, come on. Can you really prove that? I'm, for the sake of time, I'm going to tell the stories. This is in the book of Daniel. Daniel's been praying for 21 days. It states that he's prayed for 21 days. And at the end of that 21 days, all of a sudden an angel shows up. Gabriel shows up to bring him a message. Why did it take 21 days? Listen to what Gabriel says. Gabriel said, from the first day that you made your request, your prayer was heard. And he said, and I have been sent to bring your answer. The first time you prayed, you were heard. An angel was dispatched to bring your answer, but he didn't get there the first day. Gabriel said, for 21 days, I have battled with the prince of Persia. Demons are given domain over geographical locations. And they, that's why when you go into some towns, there is a, that, that you, you find drugs rampant in some places. You find pornography rampant in some places. You find, you, you, you understand what I'm talking about? There's some places you go and it's like, man, there are things that are happening in that area. And, 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 and people like, I, I was in Trinidad and suicide among young people were hitting this village. And we went into the village to pray against it. Why? Because demons, get ascribed domain over places on the earth. Now, I'm not making this stuff up. This is in Scripture. The angel looked at Daniel and said, but Micah, Michael has come. And he's contending with the prince of Persia now so I could get through. What would have happened if Daniel would have quit praying after the first day? What would have happened if he'd given up the third day or the seventh day or the 15th day? No answer. But because he circled the promise, he double circled it. He circled it in prayer and he circled it with sacrifice. And because of his prayer, warfare was going on, and Daniel was the link to his answer coming. Because when the prayers go up, God starts to send angels down. Do you understand? I'm not praying to angels. I'm not worshiping angels. I'm praying to the captain of the army of heaven. And he, these angels do his bidding. You say, oh, that's the Old Testament, but what about in the New Testament? Well, take a look in the book of Acts. 
where James has been killed with a sword and Herod finds out that it pleased everybody, so he arrests Peter. And he plans to kill Peter. And the night before he's going to bring Peter out to trial, the Bible said that the church was having a prayer meeting. They were praying fervently. Everybody say fervently. And they were praying for Peter. Peter sitting inside an inner cell, 16 soldiers guarding him. He's chained between two of them. All of a sudden, he opens his eyes. He sees an angel standing before him. The angel says, get up. He stands up between the soldiers he's chained to, and the chains fall off of him. The angel says, follow me. And all of a sudden, all the doors that are padlocked open up of their own accord and he walks Peter out into the middle of the street and he disappears. Peter doesn't say anything. Peter thinks he's dreaming all this. But then he realizes this isn't a dream. This is reality. This is the best reality show you ever saw. Let me tell you that if God be for you, who my friend can be against you? So he runs to the house where they're praying. He knocks on the door. They're at Rhoda's house, knocks on the door. Rhoda comes, looks out, sees Peter. She doesn't open the door. <laughs> she runs back in and tells everybody that's in that prayer meeting, hey, Peter's at the door. And all those faith-filled believers stood up and said, you're out of your mind. Peter ain't at the door. And she said, I'm telling you, he's at the door. And they said, well, it must be his ghost. It must be his angel. They must have already killed him. And then Peter keeps pounding. They finally let him in. We have not because we ask not. And then we ask amiss. When we're not asking in faith, it's a miss, friend. When we're asking for the wrong thing, it's a miss. But when you pray, believe that you have what you pray for and you'll receive. Those aren't my words. Those are the words of Jesus. Circle it in prayer. Everybody say circle it. Well, yeah, but that's the New Testament. Stuff like that doesn't happen today. Well, you'd have had a hard time convincing a friend of mine. His name was Douglas Caro. He was deaf and dumb and God healed him. He became a missionary to Africa. He was in Africa and he hired a jeep to take him into a remote village. On the way into the village... They were accosted by a band of raiders that were robbing people. They pulled out, blocked their way, ordered them out of the jeep. The translator was letting Brother Carroll know what was going on. And Brother Carroll looked at him and he said, You tell that man we're servants of the Most High God to get out of our way. We're coming through. That man was standing there with a big machete in his hand. His interpreter said, Brother, you don't want to tell him that. He said, you tell him what I told you. So he looked at that man and he said, the missionary said, we're servants of the most high God. Get out of our way. We're coming through. When that man heard that, that man drew back that machete, took a step toward Brother Carroll. And when he took a step toward him, he fell on the ground, doubled up, holding his stomach. And he raised his head and said, let them go through. Let them go through. I'm telling you that if God be for us, who my friend can be against us, that God had an angel stationed. They're warriors to minister on our behalf. Yeah. 
Years ago, when Los Angeles riots broke out, there was a woman that was in the mall. She didn't know it happened. She walked out of the mall into the parking lot, went to try and get in her car to get out of there. Man, things were going crazy. Five men came up. She'd already started the car. They broke the side, the, the window out of the driver's door, reached in, got the keys, shut the car off, threw the keys in the bush, drug her out of that car onto the parking lot where they were going to abuse her. All she could do was cry out, Jesus, help me. And in a moment of time, a voice shouted out, let her go. Now, friend, I don't know how big the guy was, but I know that five men jumped up and took off running in opposite directions trying to get away from him. He reached, he picked her up in his arms, carried her over to the car, put her back in the car, handed her the keys that had been thrown in the bushes, looked at her and said, you need to go home now. She started the car, turned around to thank him, but he was gone. Mission accomplished. Can I tell you that our prayer have power but the devil doesn't want you to believe that because once you get a hold of that you'll pray like you've never prayed before you'll circle your promise in prayer Amen. the old west they used to circle the wagons friend it's time to circle the wagons it's time to trust God and believe him for what he said he would do that word comes from one final word, which when I, finally, when I first looked at it, I thought, well, God, I had a great message going until I got here. And I looked at that word, and I couldn't figure out what it meant. Go ahead and go to that next word. That next word is me," which means to make bed. And I looked at that, and I thought, what in the world, make bed? And then it dawned on me, what do you do when you make a bed? You cover it. God's saying, when it comes to the battle, I've got you covered. When you pray, when you seek his face, when you circle your promise in prayer, he said, I've got you covered. The disciples were amazed when they looked at a fig tree that Jesus had cursed and the next day it was dead. And they talked to him about it. And he told them, he said, I'm telling you that if you've got faith as a mustard seed, you could say to a mountain to be plucked up and removed into the sea and it should obey you. What mountain is in your life? What do you need taken out of the way Today is the day that it all begins. Would you stand with me? You really believe that something like that could have an impact? Prayer is powerful. In the 1950s, Argentina was a spiritual wasteland. There were only 600 spirit-filled believers in that entire country, 600 in the entire country. In his book, Cry For Me, Argentina, 
Dr. Edward Miller, a missionary to Argentina for 40 years, wrote and described the beginning of a revival that would sweep not only through Argentina, but throughout South America. He said it began with a group of 50 students at the Argentine Bible Institute when they got hungry for revival and they started to meet and pray. They said that prayer meeting was so intense that when the students finished praying, you could literally see puddles of water from their tears at their feet. That meeting went on for 50 days, 24 hours a day. At the end of that cycle, during that prayer meeting, during that time, a prophetic word came to those students. And this is what it said. Weep no more, for the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed over the prince of Argentina. 18 months later, hundreds of thousands of Argentines were flocking to Crusade Stadium or Crusades at soccer stadiums. The largest stadium was 180,000 people and it couldn't hold them. They were all around the stadium on the outside. When people got hungry and began to recognize our need for God, my prayer for America is this is that we don't become so blessed that we forget how much we need God. Remember, friend, it was the father's finances that paid for the trip away from the father's presence when it came to the prodigal son. It's time for us to circle intentionally. Now, I'm encouraging you to put something else in that circle. I'm encouraging you every day when you're sacrificing, whatever you're sacrificing, spend some time praying. If you're not watching television, if you're giving up television, spend some of that time praying. Otherwise, we're just going through the motions. But at 714 every morning, we're meeting together. We're uniting together for prayer. And we're calling out the things in that circle. You put things in that circle and declare that for the next 40 days, you're circling the promises of God and you're not going to quit until God answers. I want you, if you would, to bring your paper with you to the front of this building today. Would you do that, please? Let's go ahead and move to the front of the building. Jasmine, if you would bring me one of those microphones. See, sometimes, thank you, sometimes we're concerned about public prayer because I don't have, I don't have the right words. I don't know how to say it. I, if, if your child were being attacked by an alligator or some wild cat, 
you wouldn't worry about, well, I don't have the right words to call for help. You would just cry out for help. It's what the lady did in Florida. She cried out for help and a man came running, started jabbing that crock in the eyes, got it to let go of that boy. We have not because we ask not. The other thing is you wouldn't allow some enemy to drag your child off. I saw a clip of a mother in a grocery store and some guy came by and just grabbed her kid out of the cart and started to try and take off with him. And that mother grabbed hold. And I'm telling you, that was a tug of war for life until finally the guy gave up and took off running out of the store. I'm not letting go. My child, if we respond that way to our children, how do you think God responds to his children? He said, if your son asks you for bread, you don't give him a stone. If he asks you for a fish, you don't give him a snake. And if you, being what? He said, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more does your heavenly father know how to give it to you? So are you ready? You got it in? This is, this is, I'm not going to say this is a practice run. This one's just not at 714. I want you to get ready. Grab hold of that. You're going to pass it to someone. I don't care who you pass it to. But here's what we're going to, right now, we're going to pray for an outpouring of God's spirit in our community, state, nation, and world. Lord, we pray for an outpouring of God's spirit in our community, our state, our nation, and the world. Praise you for it, Father. We thank you for it, God, in Jesus' name. Go ahead, the second one. Pray for protection, direction, salvation, and healing for our military and veterans. Amen. Pray for our church to be spirit-led, power-packed, and debt-free. Amen. Pray for our families to be saved, set free, and walking in victory. Amen. And everybody shout, Amen. Amen. Now look, one preacher, and then he passed it off to a young man that probably got the bejesus scared out of him when he got that mic in his hand. But he did well, didn't he? Yes. He did well. All it, all it is about speaking out. Why do we make prayer so difficult? Prayer is about talking to God. Yes. And so when you're on, when you're by yourself, you can speak that, but you don't have to just say that. You can go into detail. You can go into God. I want you, Father, to pour your spirit out in our community to the point that we see every leader in this community saved and serving you, God. That we see the drug addiction break here, that nobody's doing drugs anymore because everybody got set free. Oh, that can't happen. I beg your pardon. In Guatemala, they, the, the alcohol was destroying the country until a few people got together and started praying. I'm sorry, in Colombia, alcohol was destroying the country until some people got together and started praying. It was drugs. And they got to praying, and the drug cartel targeted one of them and killed him. And they thought that would stop it. 
But instead of stopping it, it inspired the other pastors. They got together, started praying, kept meeting in prayer. And the next thing you know, the soccer stadiums were filled on the, not just the stands, but the whole field was full of people. There were over 50,000 people in that stadium and they were out, the 5,000 out around the stadium. And guess what happened? God started taking the drug cartels down one after the other. It was unexplainable. Nobody could figure out why, but God can do it. In Guatemala, where farmers were struggling, and they'd become alcoholics. Some folks got together and started praying. Taverns started closing. Just shut down. And then all of a sudden, the farmers' crops started being blessed. They sent, the United States sent uh, agricultural people over to find out what they were doing. And the farmer looked at him. He was driving. They used to not have any vehicles at all. Now he had a Mercedes-Benz truck. And he was driving it. They had carrots, man, that looked like my forearm. That's no kidding. I saw it. They asked him, what's your secret? And the man looked at that official and said, it's prayer, man. It's prayer. Everybody say, prayer makes the difference. Are you ready for the circle? Now, I want to encourage you, you put something in that circle. Don't just pray this, but you put something in that circle. Now, I'm going to check in next week and find out how many of you have been meeting me at 714. If I had your phone numbers, I do have your phone numbers. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> But we're going to meet together. This is the year that you see your family saved. This is the year that you see the addiction stop. Yes. This is the year that you find courage instead of fear, breakthrough and freedom instead of hunkering down. This is the year that you circle your promise in prayer. Let's pray one more time together. Father, I just want to thank you for our family. I thank you, God, for each one of them and the blessing they are to this body. God, I'm asking you not just for what I've put in that circle, but I'm joining my faith with her faith for what they're going to write in that circle concerning their finances, their families, their jobs, their health, you said that if your people that are called by your name will humble themselves and pray and seek your face, turn from our wicked way, then you'll hear from heaven, forgive our sin, heal our land. Father, we dedicate this 40 days to you and ask you to meet with us in extraordinary ways in Jesus name come on let's give him a hand clap of praise today God bless you I look forward to hearing your reports of what God is doing on your behalf shake hands with one another
Cast all your cares upon the Lord. 